Let us enter His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to Him in song. For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. The depths of the earth are in His hand, and the mountain peaks are His, and the sea is His. And He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His care. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah and as at the day of Massah in the wilderness, where your father tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was disgusted with this generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways, so I swore in my anger they will not answer my rest. Over and over he says we need to have a heart of obedience and a heart of worship and praise to God. And it begins with these exhortations to sing to the Lord and to shout joyfully unto the Lord and to surrender ourselves, we see that in verse 2, before Him with thanksgiving. I wonder, have we done that? Have we just even today taken a moment and say, Lord, thank You for what You've done for us. In fact, I want to start the service this morning by doing that. Just in a moment of, of silence, just for a couple minutes, And I challenge you, just as we get started in God's Word this morning, that you just take a moment and say, Lord, help me not to be distracted by what's happening after the service. Help me not to be distracted by what we've had take place so far this morning or anything next week. But just for the moment, help us to set these things aside just for a moment to concentrate on what God has for us. So let's just bow our heads and pray just for a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You so much. We thank you for the opportunity to have freedoms here in America where we can come freely to exalt you, to worship you, to lift up your name. We thank you, dear God, that you would love us so much that you would send your son to die on a cross. As someone once said, to pay a debt he didn't know because we had a debt we couldn't pay. We could never work for it. We could never earn it. And yet your love is so freely given, faithfully, consistently, constantly. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of salvation through your Son. Thank you that we can have forgiveness of sin through your shed blood on the cross of Calvary. Thank you that we can join together as fellow believers around the person of Jesus Christ and remember and reminisce what you've done for us your mercy, your grace that's new and fresh every day. Lord, I pray that just for a few moments this morning you help us to set aside the cares and concerns of everything that's taken place around us. We all have plans of what we might be doing after the morning service. We all have circumstances that we're thinking about through our calendars and to-do lists and God, I pray that just for a few moments this morning you help us to concentrate on what you have for us. Lord, that truly that we might come before you and Lord, as not only what we've already done in singing unto you, but Lord, even to shout joyfully unto the Lord, just offer ourselves in surrender. God, I thank you for what you've done. Now meet with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, before we look into Psalm 100, I want to just highlight a couple of things in Psalm 95. But it says, let us enter His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to Him in song. And He gives us a reason. In fact, I think He gives us three reasons why we need to do this. 
First of all, because He is great and above all. Verse 3, who says that, For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. And when sometimes we take that for granted, how great God is. We take it for granted that we serve a God who can do so many miraculous things. We take it for granted that we have a God who is a healer. And, and so many other things. First of all, He's a great God. He's above all gods. Psalm 48 one says, our, our God is great and above all. Well, not only is He great and above all, secondly, He's the creator of the universe. And we find that in verses 4-6. through six. He formed the sea. He formed the land. He formed the mountains and the hills. And when you consider the magnitude of who God is, how awesome He is, and when it says that He holds the universe in His hands, Think about that. He is an awesomely powerful and awesome God. He's our maker. Of all the things that science and technology can do, it's amazing as a doctor came out and he says, listen, she's got 100% blockage from top of her shoulder all the way down to where all these uh, plastic arteries ever come in. And he says, but you know, as he, was, he said the problem is, as he was talking to us in, in, in Susan's room, is he says, these are man-made arteries. He said, they're not as good as the original. Isn't that amazing? And how miraculous the body is that when the plastic man-made ones clogged up, the body made an alternate route. It wasn't enough to sustain forever because it had to get done. The blockage had to be cleared. But the bottom line is the man-made was not as good as what God made. God's an awesome God. Science and technology and medical breakthroughs cannot compare to what God can do. So not only is He the great God above all, He's not only the creator of the universe, He's our Redeemer. It says that in verse 1. It says, Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord, shall triumphly to the rock of our salvation. He's our Redeemer. He's the rock. Picture of something solid, something stationary. Christ is still our rock, and He hasn't changed. And Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is nothing newer or better that has come along the scene. He's still the one and only. And He's our shepherd according to verse 7. And we'll highlight that a little bit more in Psalm 100. So if you would, turn over to Psalm chapter 100 where we're going to spend most of our time here. So over in Psalm 100, we see that kind of sets the base for this idea of entering His courts with thanksgiving. But in verse 1 it says, Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that Yahweh is God. He made us and we are His. His people, the sheep of His pasture, enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For Yahweh is good and His love is eternal. His faithfulness endures through all generations. Well, first of all, we see right away in verse 1 that we're to shout triumphantly to the Lord all the earth. We see so many passages that deal with this. In fact, we're going to be jumping around just a little bit this morning, so bear with me if uh, you can't go that quite that fast. It's okay. I'm sure Ben will get it up on the screen. But right there in, the, in verse 1, shout triumphantly. And we see that it's a picture of uh, a reiteration that's found in Psalm 66.1 where he says, Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. Shout. And again in 98, in verse 4, it says, Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Be jubilant. Shout for joy and sing. The idea of having joy, the idea of being jubilant, the idea of shouting to God comes from a heart of thankfulness. And if we're honest with ourselves this morning, we have to look back into our lives and say, what has God done? 
What has God done in our lives that we should be so thankful for? If we all got what we deserved this morning, if every one of us got what we truly deserved as we stood before God one day, we would all spend eternity in a lake of fire. Do we understand that? It's only by God's mercy and His grace that we have any ability to stand before God and stand before Him as redeemed children. If we got what we deserve, we'd be spending eternity in hell. But this idea of shout triumphantly to the Lord all the earth has the idea of, of a king entering the courtyard and all of his subjects stand before him in applause and hollering and they're excited over the king who has entered into the picture. Someone of great importance. Someone of great worthiness. Somebody who is above all and has all authority and all supreme ability to do whatever he wants. The only difference is he's God. He's sovereign. And as he enters the picture, we stand before him and we kneel before him and we put our outstretched arms before him because he's God. And this is the God that we are applauding. But only that, he says, serve the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. Well, what's that mean? What's it mean to serve the Lord with gladness? We have the freedom. We have the ability. We have the mandate to, with a good attitude, serve Him in life in response to what He's done for us. So we have a great God of heaven who comes down to earth, dies on a cross, sheds His blood. And Romans 12 puts it so beautifully. For this is your reasonable form of worship. It's your reasonable sacrifice to give a life of service back to God in response to what He has done for us. You know, it's amazing. Sometimes we take it so flippantly. There's a man in John chapter 1, verse 27. He said, There is a man who coming, who's coming after me who's preferred before me. That is the case. God is coming. He is preferred before us. But think about this next phrase. Whose shoes latch it, I am so unworthy to even unloose. We talked about that last week in the whole idea of serving. Talked about the roads, the biblical roads, the dusty roads, the unsanitary roads, and then the open-toed sandals that people would walk. And Jesus, as our supreme example, giving himself in service to those around him, washing their feet. And then John comes along and says... I'm not even worthy. What a picture of humility. Do we serve with that kind of humility? To serve the Lord with gladness, with humility. In fact, not only that, Psalm 100, he also says, makes this other statement that's interesting. Come before him with joyful songs. Joyful songs. How do you sing? Do you sing joyfully? You know, God's Word says make a joyful, what is it? Noise. You don't have to be a professional. You really don't, trust me. I can verify that. You don't have to be professional. He says make a joyful noise because the joyfulness comes out of a heart of gratitude and thankfulness for what God has done for us. So in Psalm chapter 40, this is amazing. This is kind of the basis, the foundation. And I've, I've shared this verse before, but Psalm chapter 40, he says this. 
I waited patiently for the Lord, and He turned to me and heard my cry for help. And here's what He did. This is what He's done for all of us. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and set feet, my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's what God's done for us. And by our very singing, by our very noise that comes out, He says many will see it and fear and what? Trust in the Lord. Our ability to sing and our ability to make a joyful noise is a testimony of what God has done for us and others will see it and turn their hearts to God. But when we clam up, just kind of go through life and say, oh, I'm not going to sing very much. We lose an opportunity to bless others. God wants us to have a joyful, joyful heart. But he doesn't stop there in Psalm chapter 100 here. Verse 3. He says, Acknowledge that Yahweh is God. He made us and we are His. His people, the sheep of His pasture." He says, acknowledge that Yahweh is God. And I think there are two wrong tendencies in our culture today. We tend not to acknowledge who God is. How often do we go about our day and we don't even acknowledge Him? How often in the busyness of our day-to-day lives do we not take time to say, God, I need your help. God, I have this dilemma. What, What should I do? How should I handle this? God, this person has done this. How should I respond? God, I'm feeling selfish. God, help me overcome that selfishness. How often during a given day do we not acknowledge who God is? Guilty. We need to take the time and to remember and to think about who God is and what He has done. He said, acknowledge that Yahweh is God. He's God. And He's right there before us. There are two verses really that highlight this. The first one is in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32 and verse 6. He says, Is this how you repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Isn't He your Father and Creator? Didn't He make you and sustain you? Is that not our generation? Is that not our culture? We can go through life and not acknowledge who God is. It's a wrong tendency that we have. And in Proverbs, chapter 16, in verse 4, it says this, The Lord has prepared everything for His purpose, even the wicked for the day of disaster. We don't acknowledge who God is and what He has done. Everything that happens in life, everything that happens around us, God has allowed it. And maybe you ever think about the fact that maybe God has allowed these things to come into our life for the very very purpose of getting our attention? You say, well, if there's really a God, how could He let this volcano erupt? If there's really a God, how could He let these uh, circumstances take place in, in, with, with the weather and with the storms, with the tornadoes and the hurricanes and tsunamis? If there's really a God... How could He let these things be? God has prepared all things. He's in control. He's sovereign. And he, we don't, you know, God does not have to get our permission for anything. He's awesome. He's powerful. He's God. He needs no, no permission from us for anything. 
but even the wicked for the day of disaster, he says. He's God. And we tend not to acknowledge who God is in our day-to-day life. And the second wrong tendency is that we tend to worship creation more than the Creator. We tend to worship creation more than the Creator. It's all Life becomes, if we're not careful, but all the things around us, our homes, our possessions, our beds, our cars, our whatever, fill in the blank. Sometimes even life itself, the families that God's given us. We tend to worship creation more than the Creator. You realize that everything that we have, everything that we are, is for one reason, God. And as fast as God gave it to us, He could take it away. Why? Because we are just stewards of what He's entrusted to us. Our children, our jobs, our family, everything about it. We're just stewards of what God has entrusted to us. And we have this idea that we can do whatever we want. I'm my own person. I mean, if I want to do this, I can do this. I, I, I can do whatever I want. But then 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 puts that straight. It says, what? Knowing not your body is what? The temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Which you have God and you're not your own. And God's word goes on to tell us that you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and spirit, which are His Everything that we have, everything that we are is because of His mercy and His grace, His benevolence to us. We need to acknowledge that God is God and we are not. He made us and we are His. Genesis one twenty six reminds us that He made us out of His own image. In Genesis 2, blew into man's nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. He made us. And throughout Psalms, he gives us that uh, over and over testimony of how we belong to him. But in Psalm 119, in the center of our Bibles there, Psalm chapter 119, verse 73. Oops, one more page here. Your hands made me, informed me, give me understanding so that I can learn your commands. Your hands made me. We just talked about in the medical field. It's amazing how man can make a hip, a replacement, an elbow replacement. God can make, give man the technology to make a new artery. But none of it is as good as the original. None of it. Um, they quite often tell people who need a hip replacement or a knee replacement or a shoulder replacement. Um, they don't usually want to do it before 55 or 60 years old. Why? Because there's a time frame on it. Sometimes 10, 15 years. But they always want to make sure that we can wait as absolutely long as possible because of the time frame. We know it's not going to last 60 years like the first one. Why? It's not as good. God made us. He formed us. And He did it with perfection. How about Psalm 139? Familiar passage, I know. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. He says, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know this very well. Last week there was an article 
about a lady who had struggled to have children. And um, they had, were able to gather some embryos and so forth, and they were able to implant those embryos. And, um, well, quite honestly, they didn't need all of them. So they put several of those embryos into the freezer, into storage, for seven and a half years. For seven and a half years, something so microscopically small, an embryo, frozen. And then seven and a half years later comes another family who cannot have children. And they take those same embryos from seven and a half years earlier and implant them and they have a beautiful young little girl. Just last week this happened, or they shared the story. She's now a year and a half old and she's doing great. No problems, no complications. But isn't that amazing? But you say, well, wait, life doesn't begin at conception, really. Because it seems that just at that moment, oh, there's nothing there. How can there be a life? And God says, trust me, there is. He said, you formed me in my mother's womb before, before you could ever see anything. Isn't that amazing? Who does that? God. Who has the ability to give man the technology? God. It blows my mind. And yet we think we're our, we own ourselves. We can do whatever we want. I can abort it. I can do whatever. No. Life is from God. And life is sustained by God. For it is you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. And your works are wonderful. I know this very well. Go over to Psalm 149, verse 2. End of the chapter here. It says, let Israel celebrate its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. He says, our maker is the, still, is the same one as their king. I wonder in our lives if we acknowledge our maker also as king. You see, when our maker is also king, it changes how we live. See, we can't live to ourselves. We live to the one who created us and made us. Colossians 1. Let's keep going just for a moment here. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. 16 and 7 says, For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and by Him all things hold together. All things consist. He's our maker. And then one more, Revelation chapter 4, in verse 11, one of my favorite verses. It says, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and because of your will they exist and were created. He said, if it weren't for your will, we would be nothing. Nothing would be. Your will. I won't take the time to go through all these next verses, but he also says we're the sheep of his pasture. His sheep. His pasture. Once again, we belong to somebody. We belong to God. And that ought to make us thankful. 
the love that he puts into his relationships with us. John chapter 10, I do want to look at this one. I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Isn't that amazing? The closeness of the relationship that he could actually look to his sheep and he knows his voice, knows their voice and the sheep knows his voice. But here's what I found out in life. When someone is on the other end of the house and they're yelling something, it's hard to hear what they're saying. You know what I'm saying? When someone is downstairs in the basement and they're yelling up to someone on the other floor, it's hard to hear what they're saying. In order for someone to hear and be able to correctly and rightly respond, they have to be close. You see, God speaks to us often through His Word. And we speak to Him back through prayer. Communication is both giving and receiving, right? He talks to us, we talk to Him. Prayer. There's the closeness of the relationship. He says they know each other's voice. The sheep follow Him because they recognize His voice. Verse 5, they will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from Him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. Should it be any different with us? He says we're the sheep of His pasture. The people, his sheep of his pasture. In other words, we should be listening to his voice. And can I just say this once again? The world has a strong, strong, loud voice. The world wants us to do this, and the world wants us to do that. But there's a choice to make. If we're his sheep, we should be listening to his voice and doing what he asks. He goes on, verse 6, Jesus gave them this illustration, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Verse 7, So Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Want real life? It's in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, since he is not a shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired man and he doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. As the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep, but I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring bring them also and they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the shepherd loves me, because I am laying down my life so I may take it up again. And no one takes it from me. But I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. And I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. It's in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And over and over, He makes it clear that we're His. We belong to Him. And we should be thank, thankfulness, or, or display thankfulness because of this. Well, back in our text in Psalm 100, look at verse 4. So he says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. 
The idea of giving him praise or to, it means to bless or actually to salute. Up there in verse 1, it says, shout triumphantly. It's the idea of when royalty comes in the room and we, we, we bow to him, we worship him, we exalt him because of who he is and because of his position. And then down here in verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name or bless his name has the idea of saluting him. It's a military term. In other words, to give respect to whom respect is earned, is due, is, 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 is expected. Do we do that? Do we enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, In everything, give thanks. It's easy to give thanks to God when everything's good. When the bills are paid, when the cars are running good, when the house is in order, the kids are healthy, money in the checking account, whatever. It's easy to give God praise in those circumstances, is it not? But what about when circumstances aren't so good? Do we still give Him thanks? Do we still enter His courts with praise? Are we still saluting Him as the ruler of my life? It says, in everything give thanks. I'm going to say, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Are we giving thanks? Back a few pages in Psalm 75. In verse 1. He says, God is known as Judah. His name is great in Israel. You know, He is a great God. No, that's Psalm 76. Psalm 71. We give thanks to you, God. We give thanks to you for your name is near. People tell about your wonderful works. We give thanks to you. That's a daily thing in our lives. Thanking God. Having an attitude of gratitude. And then he goes on and closes Psalm 100 verse 5 with this verse. For Yahweh is good and His love is eternal. The word good there is an interesting, it's almost a word picture in the, in the original language. It has the idea of the temple incense and a very, being a very sweet smell. It says, for Yahweh is good. There's a sweet smell in the temple. There is aroma there that is, it just smells good and you want to be around it. And His love is eternal. His faithfulness endures through all generations. His faithfulness endures. It's amazing here in our culture, so often love is conditional. We see it all the time. Once again, the everyday circumstances of life. When the cars are running good, when the house is in order, when the bills are paid, there's a little bit extra and you can go out and do this or that. We see in relationships all the time. Boy, they're just things are great. But then someone loses a job and the finances are tough. And the stress and the pressure start picking at each other. Or someone gets sick and they can't fulfill the other's expectations. And the stress levels rise and the frustrations are more apparent. It's where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Is it easy to give thanks in those circumstances? Well, no, it's not. 
But see, God's love endures through all that. And if our love is based in His, then our love should endure. It should not be conditional based on how things are in our present circumstances. I think the psalm is a great reminder that we should be giving thanksgiving, thankful, being, giving thank, an attitude of thankfulness all the time. Being glad all the time. Question. Does it mean we're always happy? No. But I can always have joy because I know who's in charge. I don't always like my circumstances. Anybody in circumstances they don't really care for? Yeah. But it doesn't change the fact that I can still have joy because I know God's in control. The moment we have to remember, God's word makes it clear, we are just pilgrims. We're strangers in this land. We're just passing through because truly our home is in heaven. But meanwhile, we have an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude because of what God has done. What a reminder over this holiday season. Um, It's amazing how even all the stores almost bypasses Thanksgiving to get to Christmas. They're already talking about first quarter sales are going to be astronomical and online sales are going to be up and blah, 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 blah. But just taking a moment to slow down and to be thankful for the moment. Not the moments to come, but the moment. Taking each day. I I can remember being in school. And I can remember when you're in elementary, you can't wait to get to junior high. When you're in junior high, you can't wait to get to senior high. When you're in senior high, you can't wait to graduate. And after that, you can't wait to get that job. You can't wait to start life and always looking for the next thing. Adults do it too. Wait for the next thing. And we're so busy looking for the next thing that we don't enjoy the now. I've said it a hundred times and I've told Dawn a hundred times, I used to love it when our kids were a little before, right at the stage where they can't quite walk yet. Because then I could like lay them on my belly Tease them, play with them, love on them. But all of a sudden, as soon as they got legs and wheels, man, they're gone. All over the house. But I love that moment. And when the moment is gone, I say, okay, time to have another child. (laughs) No. But it's awesome. (laughs) No, no. All right, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Those are great moments, but yeah. Um, But each moment, to enjoy it and... Um, every once in a while, there's something that comes along that reminds us for, to enjoy the moment. Usually it's my wife trying to say, oh, whoa, slow down. <laughs> but do we take the moments to be thankful, to show gratitude, to give thanks in every circumstance? Not just when it's Thanksgiving time and we go around the room and everybody's forced to give them, come up with one thing to think. And by the way, you can't repeat what your brother said. Yeah, we've all heard that one too. Well, I was going to say that. <laughs> right. But do we take the moments to be appreciative? First of all, for what God has done. He gave us life. Come on, pick. I mean, who can do that? 
gave us life. And salvation, a hope of eternity in heaven with the Lord, families here on this earth, another day of life and breath and health. Do we take those moments, our kids, a house to sleep in, a car to drive, we take so much for granted. Let me just close by reading it one more time. Shout triumphantly to the Lord all the earth. Shouting to the Lord starts with our attitude of gratitude. We are thankful for who He is, what He's done. Serve the Lord with gladness, with humility. The idea of serving with humility. Even using the example of John, I'm not even worthy, but I'm going to do it. Acknowledging that Yahweh is God, not being misconstrued, but we have a, we tend to acknowledge who we tend not to acknowledge who God is. We tend not to worship Him as the Creator. Entering His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise, giving thanks to Him and praising His name, for He is good, His love is eternal. His faithfulness endures through all generations. Over and over, reminded of how great God is. Never lose sight of that. Thank Him daily. Let's pray.